0: Uh, We have a really exciting passage this morning. Uh, There's a lot packed into just a few lines of text, hoping it's going to stir us up the way that Paul, the apostle, hoped it would stir us up. And so the text is Philippians 3, verse 20 through chapter 4, verse 1. On our way out of Philippians now. Here it is, starting in verse 20. Paul says, for our citizenship is in heaven from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body, that it may be conformed to his glorious body, according to the working by which he is able to even subdue all things to himself. Therefore, my beloved and longed-for brethren, my joy and crown, so stand fast in the Lord, beloved. Obviously, uh, the subject of immigration is a huge issue in our culture today. Uh, Something that's hotly debated, folks are very vocal about their opinions, and that's fine. It should be easy to get, then, in the frame of mind that Paul wants us to be in, because he's using the analogy of immigration. He's talking about our spiritual immigration as people who are born again into God's kingdom, and therefore who have become citizens of heaven, having been citizens of earth. As citizens, we receive some interesting and powerful rights and privileges, However, God's plan for us also includes a certain route that he has set before his people, and that route is examined a little bit in this text. The last time we were together, we saw that we cannot hope to enjoy the blessings of God if we're not going to take on the cross of Jesus Christ. That's just the deal. What we see this morning is that there is a glorious plan uh, that the Lord has for his people, but within that plan, we are given a specific route. Some have called it... The royal route to heaven, and I I like that phrase. It is by the salvation of Jesus Christ that we are made into citizens of heaven. That's how we are uh, uh, made citizens of eternity. Mm. But salvation is more than simply forgiveness of our sins. In fact, it includes much more than that, as illustrated in this text. First, there is, of course, redemption from sin. Paul says up in verse 20, Our citizenship is in heaven from which we also eagerly await for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Because Jesus stood in our place and took the penalty of sin uh, as Savior, and because we have believed on him for salvation, he has therefore redeemed us from sin and death forever and made us his own. Uh, But there's more than just redemption. Let's look at verse 21, the very beginning. Who will transform our lowly body. The spiritual effect of sin is dealt with by redemption, and that's a very exciting thing. But in the salvation of Jesus Christ, we also receive a future transformation. And that's, that's something that I would hope we all were worked up about and excited about. Because one day we're going to be free from the physical effects of sin as well. Sickness gone, and pain gone, fatigue and heaviness gone. Uh, and I think that's exciting. And it's exciting because, as Paul aptly points out, our bodies are lowly. They don't work quite right. Um, You know, they were marvelously designed by God. We can see that as we look, you know, into the body. Um, But uh, they were terribly corrupted then by sin. And so citizenship in heaven provides us the privilege of having our bodies overhauled one day and transformed into something heavenly. Uh, So we have redemption and then we have transformation. But Paul continues in verse 21 and he says that it may be conformed to his glorious body transformation for us ends in glorification, where we finally not only put on immortality, but we are living embodiments of the glory of God in heaven. The Lord, having redeemed us and transformed us and brought us into eternity, will bring us into an existence that isn't just what he constructed in the Garden of Eden. And I thought this was, I don't know, this just was interesting to me. When the Lord comes back, takes his church home, and when he puts down uh, sin forever. Uh, He's not just going to restore what he did in the garden of Eden at the beginning. There in the garden, he created sinless human beings and he called them good. But in heaven, uh, we aren't good, we're glorious, it says, that we put on the, the glory of the Lord. Because God looks upon his people and he says, I'm going to do more in you than I did at the start. I'm going to do more in you than before. I will draw you nearer to myself than before. I will bless you even more than before, And so it's not just a return to the way things were before we brought sin into the world. God looks down and in his plan, he determines to do something greater and more glorious. So that is the final stage of our citizenship when we are forever with the Lord, glorification. So redemption, transformation, glorification, those are some inspiring privileges that we receive from our God as spiritual immigrants given grace by the king to become citizens of heaven. But then there are two other benefits of citizenship uh, that we can look at here. They are confirmation and sanctification. Uh, The word sanctification doesn't appear in our text specifically, but it is illustrated by the idea that our Lord and Savior, Paul says, is currently dwelling in heaven, and he has changed our citizenship. We're no longer uh, uh, bound by the kingdom of darkness. We're now in the kingdom of light. God has called us then out of the world, and he's going to usher us into his kingdom one day. And so we are sanctified, we're called out and set apart by his power and his grace to be brought out of the world and into eternity, sanctified as Christians. Now, part and parcel with sanctification is conformation. Paul used the word conform there in verse 24. He was, or excuse me, verse 21. He was speaking of how God transforms our bodies to be conformed to the likeness of Jesus Christ. So he's talking about a spiritual conformation to the likeness of the Son of God. But that word and usage there reminds us of the spiritual conformation that we are commanded to undergo in the Bible as well. Romans 12:2. Do not be conformed to this world, spiritually speaking, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Or how about Romans 8, 29, and 30? For whom God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he predestined, these he also called. Whom he called, he also justified. Whom he justified, these he also glorified. 1 Peter 1, 13 through 16. Therefore... Gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and rest uh, your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, not conforming yourselves to the former lusts, as in your ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Because it is written, Be holy, for I am holy. So this is the plan of citizenship. This is the plan that God has for his people. And it's an amazing plan. What we receive as Christians and as citizens of heaven is more than just redemption from our sins, though that would be by itself more than we deserve. We also receive sanctification and transformation and confirmation and glorification from God and His desires to fill and to fill and to fill until we are fully and finally in heaven, finished with our journey from earth to eternity and are before Him in a glorious immortal body forevermore. That is the plan. That's what God is going to accomplish within you. So, what's the point then? What's the application? Why can't we just sit back and see this happen since God is almighty and sovereign? Um, We'll take a look again at verse 1 of chapter 4. Paul says, Therefore, sewing this up, therefore, my beloved and longed for brethren, my joy and crown, so stand fast in the Lord, beloved. To me, this passage really beautifully demonstrates. The eternal truth that though God is sovereign and all-powerful, He simultaneously supplies us a free will with which we can either press into Him or we can drift away from Him. That's, the, that's what He has set up. He is all-powerful. He is completely sovereign. However, He has said in His Word that He has provided us a free will with which we can make decisions and spiritual decisions. So like Abraham and Lot in the Old Testament book of Genesis, we are a people called out by God toward a promised land. He's given us a calling. He's given us a destination. He's given given us an empowering to get there. Yet we are then free to choose which direction we are going to go. And we are free to choose whether we're going to settle in Sodom or whether we're going to settle in Canaan. Both of those men are are described as righteous men in the New Testament. They said, you know, uh, that Lot's righteous soul was vexed. And we have opinions about Lot, but the Bible looks at him in the New Testament says this man was a righteous man. So you have two guys. God calls out Abraham. Lot joins in with him. And, they, and the Lord says, this is where I want you to go. This is the empowering to get there. These are my promises. These are my words. I'm going to be with you. I'm going to supply you all of these things. I'm going to be doing things in and through your life along the way. But in the same time, they're given... Points where they get to make decisions throughout their life of which direction they're going to go. Will we settle in Sodom or are we going to settle in Canaan? That's what we see. And so a citizen of heaven must have allegiance to the Lord. We need to bow before the rule of Jesus Christ, who is the one who accomplishes all of this by his power. Uh, and what I like about this verse or this passage here is that Paul points out that God is able to subdue all things to himself. And of course we know that, but. It's important to remember that, that our God is able to subdue all things to himself in a moment, yet he allows us to freely choose how we are going to live this life, even though we have been blood-bought by Jesus Christ on the cross. We belong to him, but he says, I will allow you to choose how you are going to live your life on the earth, and that is a remarkable thing. Since we're able to choose how we live, Paul then urges us to stand fast in the Lord, the word there means to persevere, it means don't stop what you're doing. We saw Sunday how pressing on is one part, and then persevering amidst difficulty is another part. And the same idea is presented all throughout Philippians. We are to press on as fervent runners, those are those famous passages that we spent a lot of time in earlier in our studies. We press on towards the goal, but then we must persevere as we run the race, because there are obstacles, there are traps, there are adversaries and difficulties out there. But if we want the completion that God desires for us, if we want the completion that God offers to his people in this life and in the next, we must stand fast in the Lord. Now, along the way in life, sometimes a couple of things tend to happen in our hearts. If we're using the immigrant and citizen, uh, citizenship analogy that Paul is making here, we can look at it these ways. Sometimes we start wanting to have dual citizenship. Uh, some countries in the world offer dual citizenship. And uh, that can happen on a spiritual level as well. We like the promises of heaven, but we'd also like to indulge in the pleasures of earth. We want dual citizenship. We want it both ways. But the Bible is very clear and very frank on this type of thinking and this type of decision making. Matthew 6.24, Jesus speaking, he said, No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Or how about James 4.4, 4, one of our favorites. Adulterers and adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. And so God's word in those passages is not speaking to unbelievers. Uh, James and Jesus were not talking to non-Christians in those texts. It is speaking to God's people. It is speaking to us. And so we need to understand that we cannot have dual citizenship, but that is a tendency that we drift towards if we're not pressing into the Lord, if we're not persevering in the Lord. Salvation is brought through the cross of Jesus Christ, and we are then commanded to take that cross upon ourselves and live in submission to our Lord and Savior. And so the other problem we get into sometimes, you have the problem of dual spiritual citizenship that Paul's been talking about a lot and a lot of the New Testament talks about. The other problem we sometimes run into is a sort of spiritual illegal immigration, I would say, you know, um, if we're using this analogy. And here's what I mean by that. In our thinking, illegal immigration is when a person chooses not to follow the legal route by which they can become a legitimate citizen. Uh, We would say that an illegal uh, uh, immigrant in any culture or place, they cut corners on the legal code. They want to be part of the kingdom, but they do not submit to the methods that are commanded by the king in order to be part of the kingdom. And we can do this in the Christian life as well. We like redemption, you know, or we like to be set free from the weight of our sin. We like glorification, that's a pretty good promise. I'm pretty excited that there is an eternal place waiting for me, and once there, I will receive an eternal glorified body. But we don't always like confirmation and sanctification very much, do we? No, we don't like those things quite as much because it's hard to be shaped into a mold. It's hard to be purified by the Spirit of God and the Word of God. It is a difficult process that requires patience and endurance and humility and willingness. It hurts when God strips away those things which are in contradiction to His nature and His love for us because the sin nature doesn't want to let go. It's hard when God is stripping out pride from our hearts or lust from our hearts and those sorts of things. And so we have a natural human tendency to kick against that process. And we sometimes find ourselves then giving in to the flesh and cutting corners in the Christian life, saying, well, you know, I'm looking forward to certain parts of my Christian walk, but I don't need to do this other stuff over here. But the route to heaven includes the work of sanctification and confirmation. What did Jesus say to Peter? He said there on the night before his crucifixion, he said, If I do not wash you, you have no part in me. And the, the analogy is that we cannot have one part in Christ and not have the other parts. You know, And this is what happens so often when people would come to Jesus and say, Well, I want to follow you. And he says, Okay, well then here's what I'm requiring of you right now. Here's the decision I'm putting before you. Are you going to sacrifice for me? Are you going to lay yourself down for me? Or are you going to choose to... Keep some of your autonomous authority over your own life. We cannot have one part in Christ and not the other. We cannot have glorification if we don't want sanctification. We can't. And while we know that God will complete the good work he has begun in us, Paul said that, we also know that we are responsible to stand fast in him. That's the deal. We must submit ourselves to the lordship of Christ. We must abide as citizens on our way home in a foreign land. So that means that we hold to the heavenly code of conduct that we have received, God's Word. We're not cutting corners, we're not courting the world, we're not picking and choosing which parts of the Christian life are more comfortable or more enjoyable than others, and then making God in our own image in that way. This is what Paul's talking about. And so instead, the application is, we need to fix our gaze on what lies ahead. The person, the place, the transformation, the presence of the Savior. That Savior who is eternally ours, who we are loved by God, we are called according to His purpose. And so this morning, and as we go through today, we need to persevere, we need to stand fast in the Lord, we need to submit ourselves to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, and we need to walk as loyal, uh, allegiant citizens of heaven. Amen.